Welcome to Forward Launch Your SaaS. I'm Kira Woodard, the podcast marketer and owner of Forward Launch. In this series, I sit down with executives whose marketing campaigns have resulted in impressive growth for their startups. In each episode, our guests talk about the one biggest piece of wisdom that they would share with other B2B SaaS marketing execs. texting with their friend Kim, who happened to be a pediatric nurse practitioner, helped them get through the scary and confusing healthcare system. And that inspired him to want everybody to have access to the same caring and compassionate professionals in their communities. So that's led to him starting or co-founding Nurse 101. And he also has experiences uh, being a head of product and software engineering. And previously, he was the co-founder and CEO of the AI-powered local restaurant ordering platform, Chef Nightly. And he was also a co-founder of one of the very first health and fitness platforms on the App Store called RunKeeper. And at some at one point, they actually had 60 million runners using the app. And the app sold for nearly $100 million dollars. So, Michael, I am super excited to chat with you and dig into why you started Nurse One to One. Yeah, well, first, th- thanks for for having me and uh, and having this conversation. Uh, one of the main reasons why I started this company was I, I'm I'm on a mission to make an impactful, you know, make an impact on on people, and and that's really my goal in starting companies. Uh, in the past, as you mentioned, I co-founded Runkeeper. It was a good exit, uh, but it really wasn't that standalone company that was going to have a much larger impact on the world. And so I was on a mission to figure out what that was and how I could make that impact. And along the way, you know, life happened and my daughter was born and she was born with a heart defect. And my wife and I have no medical training whatsoever. And so it was really scary to suddenly be in this situation and being told that, you know, your three month old is going to have open heart surgery. Mm. And luckily, because of where we lived and the people that we knew, um, we had nurses and doctors from some of the best hospital systems in the country uh, near us and who are friends with us. And one of them, particularly um, Nurse Kim, uh, a pediatric nurse practitioner who used to actually work on the floor that my daughter was recovering on after her surgery is a friend with my wife and said, you know, when you guys have questions, reach out to me, send me a text, I'll answer them. And it was an amazing experience for us being Mm -hmm. scared and not knowing what to do and remembering our doctor saying, you know, look out for these types of situations, but then forgetting when we get home and having that outlet where we could reach out to Kim almost 24 seven, and ask these questions. And she would tell us, you know, go call your doctor. This is, yes, you maybe you should go to the emergency room. Uh, maybe you shouldn't go to the emergency room. All this guidance that she was giving us. Um, it was a great experience, but it also enraged me that in order to have that experience in the healthcare industry, you had to live in a neighborhood with doctors and nurses, or you had to be friends with someone who is a doctor or a nurse. And I didn't think that was right. And so First thing I did was reach out to Kim and I said, how do we scale you? And so Kim is my co-founder in this journey. And and that's what we set off to do is really to scale Kim and to make it so that everybody has that access point uh, when they have a question, when they're concerned about something where they can, um, you know, voice their concerns, have somebody listen to them and then give them guidance and and ultimately influence them 
to make the right decision in, in their care journey. Mm, that is so valuable. Uh, anybody who's been through any kind of healthcare situation, especially in the United States, I think, uh, has probably had some kind of bad experience or just like suffered through the confusing aspect of just not being able to get the information you need when and where you need it, especially if you're feeling like vulnerable or you're not sure what's going on. So it's really great. I love that you are thinking about how this is going to have an impact on society and how this is going to like help people. Uh, I think that that's really important especially uh, in the in the software space, because a lot of times we're just thinking about like, uh, how's our product going to look? Or like, uh, are we reaching enough people? Or uh, what are the features? Or what's this going to exit for? But uh, I think at the end of the day, when you're really just looking back on your life, it's about the people that you've helped. Yep. And that's what really, that's what really allows you to kind of go to bed at night. Like, yeah we're doing something. I, I can understand why what I'm doing has a purpose. It, 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 you're exactly right. And I, I think there's a lot of people that when they do make a lot of money, they go into a deep depression because they realize money really didn't matter anyways. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how I learned this along the way, but but that to me has never been the goal. It's always been, how do we, you know, how, how at the end of my life, when I'm thinking back on everything that I, that I did, um, how do I feel like I impacted this world? And that's, that's really is the, the mission that I'm on. Yeah, I feel, I feel similarly about that. Like, I feel like the, my goal in life is to leave the world better than I found it, better than how it was when I got into it. And so I filter all my decisions through, like, in the long run, what's this going to do to society? How is this going to help? other people because if i feel like if you're not in alignment between like what you're doing to provide for yourself and provide for your family and also like how it's going to benefit the rest of the world if any one of those three things are off or it's it's you're not contributing on one of those areas even if you think it's to the benefit of the other two it really isn't it's to the it's to the detriment of the other two i totally agree yeah well with that said, uh, I'm going to transition this to like marketing and growth somehow. <laughs> here's here's an in- inelegant transition to me asking, um, what is the main insight that you'd like to share that you feel like has helped you grow or promote your company? Yeah, I, I will say, and I'll be completely honest, I think I'm still learning this one. It, it's been a, a challenge for me personally. Uh, coming from a B2C background, my skill set has always been, you know, building a product, whether it's, you know, the initial phases of a product or not, and getting users to use it and and watching how they use the product. And that was always my feedback was do do users come back to this product? Uh, what features are they using? What features are they sharing with other people? And then growing the product on that and constantly monitoring that flow. In B2B, what I've learned, and even in the initial phases of Nurse 101, we were direct consumer. We were building a product that patients actually wanted to engage with and that they would come back and that they liked. And it was actually influencing their decision making. But when now that we've shifted to B2B and we've built a chat widget where any company, whether it's pharma or digital health, can embed our chat widget 
into their experience so that their patients can have these conversations with our nurses who will be trained on their product or their other drug and educate those patients and influence them to continue to adhere to those products. We're selling this widget now to companies, whether it's pharma companies, whether it's digital health companies. My background has always been show the product, mm-hmm. right? And so the first conversations that I have with a lot of these companies, my inkling is great. We're in this call. Here's my opportunity. Here's the product. And I've learned the hard way. We recently just hired a head of sales who's really driving this home for me, is that we are not selling a product. We first have to understand what is their problem? What's their pain point? And then think of our product as a solution to their pain point. And it's hard for me to do in those calls when here it is, here's the decision makers on this call. I want to show this product that we worked so hard to build, but it's really been a challenge and a learning point for me is to step back and say, okay, they want to see the product. I want to show the product, but let's first make sure we understand what their pain points are. And that's really, really been the, the, the biggest insight in, in this journey into B2B that I've had so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like that's different from um, what you've done before with selling in the direct-to-consumer space? Like, what do you see the differences as? You know, in in direct-to-consumer, you're you're dealing with large numbers. And so, you know, in in many of these cases, there's millions of potential users who don't use your product. And and most of them aren't going to see your product for a couple of years. But you have these early adopters who are going to look at it. And you get to basically experiment with them. In B2B, you know, your whole market, it might be huge. It might be a trillion dollar market. There's only going to be maybe 10,000 potential buyers ever for your product. And and so you can't burn through 10,000, you know, experiences and calls. And then at the end, figure out that your product is wrong and then iterate. You're done. You've already gone through the market. And so that's, that's really the difference, I think, between B2B is it takes a while to line up a call. Now, there's only so many calls you can make within within a month. And so you really have to make sure you're spending the time to understand that the, whoever's on your call to understand what their pain points are. Uh, and, and to do that, it takes a little bit more time. It's a conversation, this discovery call. Then the next call, you can start to present your product and, and show it in ways that actually, you know, aspects of your product that actually match the, the pain points that they have. Um, I think that's really the big difference is it's just, having patience and spending more time to understand who you're selling to. Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. So do you have any tips on how to sort of dig into um, the pain points of the people that you're talking to and, and how you utilize that to uh, paint your product as a solution? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, I think this is the, the part that I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot about, and, and I would say, you know, my advice to anybody else who might have a B2C background or, or maybe hasn't uh, gone into B2B sales at all yet is to find people who have been there and done that uh, and, and that have that skill set already worked out for them. Um, you know, if, if they can't join your company, reach out to them, ask them questions. Um, I, I think that that has been really the, 
the core of my learning personally on on how to sell in, in B2B is to watch how others ask these questions and really hone in on things that people say. If they push back on a, on something that you said, you know, I think most people's inkling is like, okay, that's something they don't like. Let's not talk about that. And to watch our new head of sales, um, Pat Dunty, actually start asking questions about the things that they're pushing back. Okay, well, I heard you say this. Could you could you elaborate on that? And having the customer elaborate and talk more rather than hearing something that they don't like and then think, okay, they don't like that. Let's talk about something else is to actually understand because that's where you start to find out really what um, they're concerned about, what they're not concerned about is to continue to ask those questions. Mm, okay. Okay. So it's about kind of getting the right questions um, and pulling the insights out of them and just kind of uncovering those layers. Correct. Yeah. Don't be afraid to have, um, you know, follow-up questions on something as well. You know, continue to dive down until you find that underlying uh, core concern that they might have. Okay. So how do you go about doing that? Are you like getting people on sales calls and then you have like an hour or something and you have some standard questions that you're asking or what is your process for digging deeper into the point where you feel like you're satisfied and you understand how, how people are feeling about uh, their, their problems. Yeah. So what we've been doing is, is really we'll have a first discovery call an entire hour where we will ask questions and we won't get to the demo within that first hour. If we do, it's the last 10 minutes, you know, and it it leaves a little bit more to the imagination where we have to have a follow-up call where we'll then present the product and show them the demo. Um, So it really is about spending an entire hour going through understanding what the role of everybody in in the company is. So who's on the call, call, what are their roles, uh, which people on the call have different uh, concerns? Are there people within our organization that we can match them up with? So if there's somebody more medical, we'll have them match up with somebody on our team that's more medical so that they can maybe have a follow-up call and dive further into their concerns. Uh, it's really understanding who we're talking to and who the decision makers are within that company, uh, who's on the call, and then diving into what what the problems are that, that everybody on that call has. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what is kind of the before and after of using this strategy? Because now you're doing like these hour-long discovery meetings, essentially. So yeah. what were you guys doing before and like how has it changed? <laughs> it's it's definitely changed. In fact, I would say I want to go back to the 10 calls that I had before we discovered this. You know, I can think back of uh, many of those calls, you know, they reach out, they're interested in our product. And the first thing they want to do is they want to have a demo because they already know what their own problems are. They already know what they're looking for. And so before I would jump right into that demo and I'd be like, this is the product and this is what it does. And this is how patients, you know, communicate with these nurses. And I would never have really an understanding of what is it that they're hoping to get out of using the product. Is it a reduction in cost? They have a a call center and it's really expensive and they would like to offset some of that cost. Is that the reason why they're coming to us? Is it that they have an issue with patient engagement, that they have a lot of patients coming to their website, looking at their tools, 
but they bounce and they disappear. And maybe they want nurses there. Uh, maybe it's to keep patients engaged who are already using a, a therapy. You know, they have questions and then they fall off of their therapy because they don't have answers to it. Understanding really why they're coming to us has really been the difference. And so before we would have a lot of calls, we would have one call, sometimes that I would, you know, magically hit the right pain points and we would continue moving forward. But all those other calls, I would get an email back from them saying, this is great, but I think we're looking for something that's more XYZ, which would be something that we do, but I didn't focus on those core issues in the call. The difference now what we're seeing is the second call is the demo. And we know a whole lot more about them after that first discovery call, where now we can present it and list literally the concerns that we heard and the issues and the pain points and what they're trying to get out of our product. We can now demo it knowing their pain points and address every single one of those. So then the second call becomes a third call. And so we have a whole lot more of our clients moving through our sales funnel than we did before where we were literally before this strategy, just going out there, talking to 10 different companies and maybe one would get through our funnel and now we're pulling through almost all of them. Mm, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so the insights that you are, you're uncovering during this first meeting are kind of feeding in to how you structure the actual demo, right? So are, I, I'm assuming you're like emphasizing different um, like aspects of the product when you're doing the demo based on what people were concerned about, right? Exactly. And, and the, you know, it's the benefit and it's the challenge of our product is we're, we're enabling people who are on digital products to have a conversation with a nurse. And nurses are so versatile in healthcare. They do so many different things. And what we're doing is we're basically allowing that touch point, that experience that patients have in a hospital system and putting it online or in a digital product. And so there's a lot of things that we can do. We can improve adherence. We could help patients with questions about a medical device, answer questions about a, a, a specific drug or therapy that they're on. There's a whole bunch of areas that, that these nurses are really good at. Uh, influencing someone to continue on their medication is different than, you know, having that same experience, but re what they're really concerned about is the cost of their call center that they have. And we're actually much cheaper because of how we've built the system. And so it's actually a cost savings conversation the second time. When we do the demo, we can explain why our operations are much lower than a call center. Uh, we can explain why, how we can actually improve their call center and, and help the call center itself uh, get more quality uh, patients talking to them. If that's really what their concern is, engagement into their call centers. So it really helps us shift that next demo uh, to present it in a way that that shows off our product in a way that's actually going to help the client. Mm, okay. And I'm trying to like conceptualize what these demos are looking like, because let's say uh, a standard demo is just kind of like a walkthrough of like the main features of the product that I'm supposing that your demos are going more in like priority order based on the objections that uh, the person has expressed in the previous meeting, right? So exactly. do you have any like tips or pitfalls that 
other companies might fall into when they are trying to kind of craft their demos around uh, a specific set of objections or concerns? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, my number one advice to anybody trying to do this is to find people who already know how to do it. Yeah. It, it really <laughs> does help. Um, you know, we have the benefit of, of having raised money from, from some great investors that we can hire people that have been doing this for 16 years. Uh, but, you know, there are people out there, there's podcasts that you can listen to like this, where you can learn insights from other people. That would be my first thing to do is, is to find other people. Cause I wasn't aware that I wasn't asking those questions ahead of time. It, it took somebody else to point it out to me that I was just demoing my product. Right. And so I think that's the number one thing is to be self-aware and to realize what you're doing, uh, record, ask if you can record the conversation so you can listen to it later. Um, a whole lots of, of different tactics that are out there to help people understand how to walk through a client and understand their pain points. I, I think that's where I would start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so let's say you had to step-by-step Let's say if I wanted to implement this in my software company uh, and I'm like marketer, salesperson, CEO, uh, and you're like, okay, stop selling your product, sell the solution. What step-by-step should I do in order to implement that? Yeah, I would say um, first understand who you're talking to. You know, I I would know the title of the person that I was having a call with but I wouldn't understand really their role and, and what concerns they had specifically. And so I, I, I think that's the first step. And if there's multiple people on the call, be aware that one person might have concerns about the quality of their current solution. And that's why they're on the call. And the other person has concerns about the costs of their current solution. And so really understand the roles of the different people on the call would by far be the number one, the first thing that you need to do. Uh, the next thing is to ask questions about their current solution, if they have one. Uh, what do they not like about it? And make sure you're asking this. And, and you know, you, you might not have to say like, okay, Jody, we asked you this question. Um, now let me ask Tim, how would you answer that question? Like, you don't have to be as blatant about it, but through the conversation, make sure that you're not just hearing one answer and thinking that that's the only answer that there might be different views of this within the call. And when you present your product, you're gonna have to make sure they're all happy. You can't say, oh, we're gonna get rid of your old call system and on the call is the person who set up the call system (laughs) and they have a decision in making, you know, using your product. And so you really have to present it in a way and and understand who all these people are that that are on on your call. That's by far the first thing. Uh, The second thing is to really spend that discovery moment walking through the the concerns that they have, but also why do they think that there's a better solution out there, right? That is also a tip into finding what they're hoping your product does. So our current solution is really expensive or our current solution isn't actually being used by patients. Okay, why do you think that there's a solution out there that's gonna be used by more patients? Well, you know, we look at e-commerce and they all have these chat widgets that pop up. And conversational marketing is something that all these other industries have that healthcare doesn't have. And so now you've known and you've heard words like conversational marketing or e-commerce. 
So now when I present this product again, I can also present it in relation to what they're hoping to see from our product. And so it's really understanding, you know, not only who they are, what their concerns are, but what are they hoping they're going to get out of the conversation with your, with, with your company? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. So understand the different motivations of the different people on the call ask about the current solution if they have one and then see what some what the objections of like each different person you're talking to might be um and then walk through the concerns that uh people have and then ask them why they kind of think that a better solution might be out there just to kind of try to understand more about what they're thinking and like what they might be concerned about uh so that you can present your product as a solution exactly yeah. Are there any like tips you have on making those steps successful or any pitfalls that people might come across if they try to implement that? You know, I, that, that's, that's a good question. I, I think, I think the challenge that I've seen myself do as, as I've tried to step back from just answering questions is realizing that the people that you have on the call are also trying to uh, get their answers so they're in a discovery call. They're not just there to tell you everything that you want to know. They do have specific questions already, usually going into your call about your product. And so make sure that even though you want that, if it's an initial hour, you want that initial hour to be uh, you, know, you understanding them, make sure that you're still giving them insight as you're giving, as you're talking and answering questions. Uh, little tidbits, at, at least at a high level, about why your product is the right solution for them. Otherwise, you won't get that second meeting. They, they'll leave that call going, well, great, we just talked about us, but we don't know anything about their product yet. So I think it's it's the balance of not shifting completely into being the question asker, but but still leaving a little bit of the conversation to, to answer some of their questions as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So really great insight. Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, And also, as we wrap up, I'd just like to shine a spotlight on you. So are there any projects you're working on? Is there anything you'd like people to know? And is there anywhere you'd like people to be able to get in touch with you? Yeah. yeah. Well, to start, if people want to get in touch and learn more about Nurse 1-1, they can find us on nurse11.com. We're nurse-1-1. If you type in O-N-E, O-N-E, I think we have that domain as well. Um, That's where they can find us. And, And really, the Biggest thing that we're focused on is the launch of our nurse chat widget. Our, our product before was always a standalone product that other companies can link to. Uh, but now we're really um, focused on the innovation of the technology and being able to embed a HIPAA compliant chat widget into any experience that gives patients the ability to chat with a live nurse 24 seven. It takes about eight seconds for us to connect a patient with a live nurse. And we train these nurses specifically around whatever the client's uh, products are. So if it's a, a medical device, if it's at-home testing, if it's a, a pharmaceutical, uh, we'll train the nurses and work with our clients to get these nurses uh, on board and understanding really what it is that the challenges that these patients have and how to help them move forward, whether that's improve adherence, uh, engage more patients, customer satisfaction, whatever it is, we can we can embed these nurses right into that experience. Right. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for sharing all your insights today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Forward Launch Your SaaS. If you'd like summaries, show notes, transcripts, 
download, and other helpful links and resources to help you implement the tactics you've heard here, then you can one, go to forwardlauncherSAS.com and two, subscribe to our email newsletter. Lastly, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, colleagues, and neighbors, and head over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.